Ladies and gentlemen, the following segment of the podcast is presented exclusively by Hillsdale College. For over 175 years, four purposes have defined Hillsdale's mission, learning, character, faith, and freedom. Thank you for listening and my sincere appreciation to our brothers and sisters at Hillsdale for their great sponsorship. He's here. He's here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Numbers 877-381-3811, The Obamacare decision by the Supreme Court today is expected. And I'll tell you why. Not for reasons so-called legal analysts have to say. But because once these unconstitutional laws take hold, they're almost impossible to undo. So the Supreme Court by 5-4 to four with Justice Roberts, the Chief Justice, flipping... What was it, 12 years ago? Turning into a tax case. Uh, he wrote the, uh, really, the, the, the law into uh, in for, to Foreverville. And so no challenge will ever upset it. And Justice Alito's dissent was brilliant. And Gorsuch joined with him. You got all this head counting going on on TV, you know, blah, blah, blah. but they don't get into any of the substance, of course. This was a tax case. That's what the Supreme Court turned it into. And then when the tax issue was repealed on the individual mandate by Congress, suddenly it's not a tax case anymore. Suddenly it's a standing case. So the Supreme Court turned itself three times now on this law, Obamacare, into a pretzel. And those lawyers who really are not constitutional lawyers, but maybe they're former federal prosecutors or former defense lawyers or maybe, I don't know, former bankruptcy lawyers or whatever. This is how they use their green eye shades and so forth. That's, that's not what's going on here. These justices are demonstrating over and over and over again what a bunch of cowards they are. Comey, Kavanaugh, really so far disasters. Hopefully that'll change over time. 
Alito is demonstrating over and over and over again he's an awfully solid, rational, and consistent justice, much like Clarence Thomas, although I believe he voted in the wrong side on this. That said, his rationale was the smartest of the rationales. Let's move on, though. There was remarkable testimony yesterday at a hearing. Representative Jim Banks, head of the Republican uh, Study Committee, as I understand it, or whatever they call themselves in the House. And he's questioning the Chief of Naval Operations, Admiral Michael Gilday. And Admiral Michael Gilday, Chief of Naval Operations, that is, the United States Navy, the Navy that's going up against the Communist Chinese Navy and all the rest of it. He's questioning him because this admiral is insisting that everyone in the Navy, the personnel in the Navy, read this Kendi's book, which is a disgusting, racist book pushed by the Marxist left, among others. And it's been a big bestseller. But it's a disgrace. And he's insisting. He's insisting that his personnel in the Navy read the book. Now, they'll never insist that his personnel in the Navy read American Marxism, which demonstrates a real threat to the United States. No, 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 no. We've got to read a book by an individual, a professor, associate professor, whatever the hell he is, who's a nut, who's unhinged, who pushes this racial poison everywhere he goes and everything he says and everything he writes. But you need to hear this. This is what's happening to the United States military under Joe Biden and his Secretary of Defense. First you'll hear Jim Banks, and then you'll hear the back and forth. Cut to go. Kendi's book states that capitalism is essentially racist. And Kendi is clear that racism must be eliminated. So yes or no? Do you personally consider advocating for the destruction of American capitalism to be extremist? Here's what I know, Congressman. So yes There's or no racism question, Admiral. in the United States Navy. Admiral, you I, recommended I every sailor in the United States Navy read this book. So yes or no question. I'm not forcing anybody to read the book. It's on a recommended reading list. Admiral, did you read the book? I did. Okay. In college, Kendi stated that white people are a different breed of humans and are responsible for the AIDS virus. Yes or no, do you personally consider the conspiracy that white people started AIDS to be an extremist belief? Sir, I'd have to understand the context. That is a simple question. Wait, wait, wait. You have to understand the context? Seriously? Seriously? Let me tell you one of two things. Either this under oath and didn't read it, or he's read it. And if it's the latter... He really ought to be drummed out of the United States military. This book doesn't confront racism. This book spreads it. It is a vicious, vicious bit of poison. Go ahead. I'm not going to... I'm not going to... Admiral, this is a book that you've recommended every sailor in the United States Navy cherry-picked quotes from somebody's book. You're going to cherry-pick quotes from somebody's book? People's Facebook accounts and Twitter accounts are cherry-picked all the time. But this isn't cherry-picking, Admiral. If you say you know who this author is, then you know it's not cherry-picking. This is the least of what he says. Go ahead. 
issue than Kendi's book. What this is really about is trying to paint the United States military, and in this case, the United States Navy is weak, as woke. And we've had sailors that spend... Nobody's trying to paint the United States Navy as weak and woke. But you, you jerk. You're a jerk. What the hell are you doing in the United States military? What happened to the real generals and the real admirals of the past? Who knew how to win wars? Or avoid them, for that matter. How disgusting, how pathetic... The United States Navy, this is an effort to paint the U.S. military. The U.S. Navy is weak, is woke. No, that's you, pal. That's you. This jerk Kendi makes Farrakhan look like a, uh, look like an angel. Go ahead. 141 days at sea last year with minimal port visits, the longest deployments we've had. Admiral, I... I've, I've met War. you. I respect you. We are you. not I'm, weak. I remain astonished. Admiral, you're, you, are, you are lying. You are equivocating. You're not answering the question, are you? It's embarrassing, isn't it, Admiral? You're an embarrassment to the United States Navy. You're an embarrassment to the United States military. And you're an embarrassment to this country. There are many men and women behind you who could do a damn better job than you. That's the book you recommend? That's on your reading list? Go ahead. Admiral, I remain astonished that you put this book on a reading list and recommended that every sailor in the United States Navy read it. I'm also surprised that you said you you read it. Mm -hmm. There's more. Cut three, go. The Department of Defense, Admiral, the Department of Defense undertook the stand-down because they understand that extremism detracts from military readiness. So if sailors accept Kendi's argument that America and the United States Navy are fundamentally racist, as you've encouraged them to do, do you expect that to increase or decrease morale and cohesion or even recruiting into the United States Navy? I do know this. Our strength is in our diversity. Nobody said our strength isn't in our diversity, you schmo. If our strength is in our diversity, why are you proposing racist reading material for our Navy? Kendi, this is amazing. Kendi doesn't believe our strength is in our diversity. This is Marxism. They don't believe in diversity of thought, diversity of anything. If you disagree with them, whatever your race, you're the enemy. He doesn't believe in diversity. In fact, as I've explained before, as we'll discuss at much greater length in about three weeks, they reject Martin Luther King. They reject the Civil Rights Movement. They reject Brown versus Board of Education. That's what Derek Bell taught, one of the more modern so-called icons of critical race theory. And this admiral is pushing this, pushing it. Go ahead. And our sailors understand that. Race is a very, racism in the United States is a very complex issue. What we benefit from is... If race is a complex issue, then why would you push this guy and this book? That doesn't make it a complex issue. If you're white, you're a racist, there's not a damn thing you can do about it. It's in your DNA. Therefore, the country is racist. Again, not a damn thing you can do about it unless you overthrow it. 
Now, you took an oath to uphold the Constitution and defend this country while you're handing out Marxist crap and recommending it to our sailors. Go ahead. Discussion about those issues that we don't try to ignore it or rewrite it, but we actually. Oh, wow. In this country, we surely do ignore racism, don't we, ladies and gentlemen? It's never discussed. Not in the news, not in the classrooms, not on radio, nowhere. We never discuss racism, do we? We always sweep it under the rug, don't we? Has this guy been alive for the last 10 years? Go ahead. Discussion about it. And there'll be various views. And I trust sailors will come and, and to an understanding of hopefully separating from fact from fiction. Well, that's not what you get with Kendi, you moron. You get an ideology, an ideology born of Marxism. How do we know this? Because they say so. Did you read the book, genius? This is frightening. This is the guy that's staring down the Chinese Navy. This is the guy who's staring down the Russian Navy. This guy? He's so over his head, it's not even funny. Go ahead agreeing or disagreeing with Kendi in this case and come to hopefully very useful conclusions about how we ought to treat each other. All right, finally, cut four, go. Admiral, why, why did you put this book on the reading list and recommend it to, that every single United States sailor read it? Because I think it's really important to consider a variety of views. Admiral, you said you read this book. What part of this book is redeeming and, and qualifies... As something that, that every I think every Kendi's sailor in the United States critical about his own journey as an African American in this country, what he's experienced. <laughs> what he's experienced. He attacks. He's a victim. You see, so he attacks all the whiteness around him that he didn't see it earlier. That's self-critical, according to this commander, to this uh, head of naval operations. Oh my lord! Now I'm scared to death. I'm scared to death for our own defense that this idiot is in charge of the United States Navy. This idiot. Go ahead. Again, Admiral, do you expect that say, after sailors read this book that says that the United States Navy is racist, that we will increase or decrease morale, cohesion, and recruiting race into the United States Navy? I think we'll be a better Navy from having open, honest conversations about racism. Okay, so what next? You're going to have neo-Nazi books? Klansman books? You're going to have Marxist books? Racist books? From black separatists and black nationalists? That's what this is. Is that what you're going to do? You genius? Focus on your responsibilities. Which is preparing for war. Unbelievable. And this guy's under Biden, and Biden thinks he's great. And by the way, I'm sure the communist Chinese and the fascistic Russians, I think they all think he's great. They're excited. You needed to hear this. I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. 
Now, education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, and it continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide. Through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage and liberty that too often today is falsely derided and denied. Hillsdale's motto is, Pursuing Truth and Defending Liberty Since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. Let us be crystal clear about this. The leaders of the United States military are not standing up to this. They're advancing it. They're advancing it. All the leadership at the Pentagon and beyond, is advancing this. So if you thought the military, I'm not talking about rank and file, if you thought the military, the top ranks, would reject Marxism, you're wrong. You're wrong. This is a sad day in America. Because the military is promoting Marxism. They're promoting a book, perhaps several books, that are based on Marxism. Marxist professors. Marxist ideology. I didn't invent this. This is according to them, the people who have promoted this. Dressed up as race. Here we have a man who's in charge of the United States Navy and protecting us from grave threats. And yet, I think he's incapable of it. He's so PC. And he may have a magnificent military record, but apparently when it comes to politics and Washington and standing up as the, as the number one man in the U.S. Naval Forces, he's a coward. He doesn't want to be canceled. He doesn't want to lose his job. He's a coward. So are the rest of them. Well, Mark, you haven't served. No, I haven't served. But on the other hand, I haven't undermined my country either. That's what this man's doing. I want to make it abundantly clear. That's what he's doing. There have been generals and admirals in the past who've stood up and taken responsibility and have objected have objected to what's taking place. They have lost their positions. They have lost their ranks. They have lost their jobs. But they had the guts to do it. This man is brainwashing our naval forces with racist rhetoric that undermines the United States of America. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. Learning, character, faith, and freedom. 
Now, education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, and it continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide. Through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage and liberty that too often today is falsely derided and denied. Hillsdale's motto is, Pursuing Truth and Defending Liberty Since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. I want to comment uh, quickly on this uh, effort by the governor of Texas to build a state wall to protect the state of Texas. First of all, you should get 100% of the support of everybody in this country. Everyone in this country. I hear some of these so-called scholars saying, well, we have the supremacy clause and the immigration clause, and this gives plenary power to the federal government, specifically Congress, by the way, not the president. It even mentions Congress. Uh, to set immigration uh, policy. That we have what's called immigration laws. And neither Biden nor the Attorney General, neither the head of the Department of Homeland Security or the other flunkies that Biden has appointed, are free to violate federal statutes. So the question is, how can the federal government assert the supremacy clause and the immigration clause in the Constitution if it doesn't follow federal immigration law. In other words, the argument seems to be that Biden and his flunkies can do whatever they want because the federal constitution says, you know, when there's a conflict of laws in essence, federal law trumps state law. And in the immigration area specifically, we rely on the national or federal government to set policy. Okay, but if that policy contravenes federal law, you don't have a right because you're in the federal government to do whatever you want, even when it violates statutory law. Now, they say, well, there may be a more difficult problem, and that is property. Property. Well, there's state land and there's private land. I guess... Most of these constitutional experts aren't familiar with the Kelo decision. It's not a decision I particularly like. I believe it was written by Sandra Day O'Connor in the day, 5-4 to four decision. They allowed this town to take all these private homes and private property to build what was going to be this remarkable fantastic mall and office buildings and so forth to benefit the community. And the Supreme Court said, okay, 
turns out that never happened. The people lost their homes and the project went under. But that's beside the point. So a state has the power. Has the power. To use private property. To pay for it. The market rate. Under the Fifth Amendment. I want you to look around. Look in your own community. You have schools. You have fire department buildings. You have police department buildings. You have libraries and so forth. This isn't all land that was owned by communities. At times they've had to use private property. It's called the takings clause of the Constitution. They take it. And they're supposed to give fair market value for it. And it's supposed to have a real public purpose. The controversy in the Kalo decision was there wasn't a real public purpose. They were doing it for private developers. But the Supreme Court stretched it to say, well, the taxes that would come from it would benefit the town. Okay. Let me ask you a question. The state of Texas. If it needs to build a wall to protect its state and its sovereignty... Is there a bigger public purpose? Of course not. Of course not. Now the problem is the state doesn't have enough resources to build much of the wall. $250 million or a quarter of a billion. Or a quarter of a billion dollars. But the governor's trying. And they should go forward and do the very best that they can. The very best that they can. The real issue here is, look what Joe Biden's doing to our country. Look what he's doing to this nation. Every department, every agency you look at is headed by the most radical person conceivable. The head of the Civil Rights Division of the Justice Department, a well-known bigot and anti-Semite. Big fan of Farrakhan. you imagine? The Associate Attorney General of the Department of Justice. That's the number three position. It's a big job. I know. I was there. Chief of Staff. Another virently racist individual who hate white people. All these people who hate white people. The Attorney General of the United States has finally come out of the closet. He doesn't see Antifa or Black Lives Matter as domestic terrorist groups because they operate at night. No, white supremacists, they're the greatest danger we face. And of course, the way he talks and they talk, that means over 60% of the American public, apparently, are Klansmen and neo-Nazis. Doesn't lift a finger when his own FBI shows that 60% of all the religious hate crimes are against Jews, and by the way, mostly by African-Americans and Arab-Americans. Sorry, sorry, I'm sorry. May I tell the truth? I think I will. Not neo-Nazis and not Klansmen. But go ahead and crush the neo-Nazis and Klansmen. Who's stopping you? Go get them. Who are they? We'd like to know the groups. We'd like to know their names. We'd like to know all about them. Go get them. The problem is they play this game where we live in a white supremacist and a white dominated society 
And then they, on the other side of their mouth, they talk about the Klan and the neo-Nazis. Wait a minute, are you talking about 200 million of us? What are you talking about? What are you talking about? So Biden, again, wants you to believe that these Republican legislatures are really like the old Democrat legislatures of the South, you see. Jim Crow, that's what he's trying to do, flip the script. These are segregationists, Jim Crow. Well, that's what Jim Crow is. Nobody knows better than Biden because he was one. So even today, they're signing this bill Juneteenth, another national holiday. How many national holidays do we have, Mr. Produce? You want to Google that? I'm just curious. I'm just curious. The federal employees are thrilled. Yeah, yeah. Can we have another one and another one? And what are people going to do on Juneteenth down the road? Three-day weekends, special deals at the tire store, you know, stuff like that. Of course it's an important event. We have many important events throughout history. Crucially critical events. But they can't all be national holidays. It's an amazing thing. All of a sudden, Juneteenth is a national holiday. I didn't even see it coming. Did you see it coming? I mean, I knew people were talking about it, but boom, here it is. So now, is this the 11th? We now have 11 national holidays. 11. We have 52 weeks in the year. So, 20% of the weeks, excuse me, 52 weeks in the year, 11 holidays. National. So that's one a month, I guess, right? One a month. I'm not even talking about spring vacation, winter vacation. No, no. 11 national holidays. Very, very important. We should teach Juneteenth in our schools. I have no problem with that. It's the actual end of slavery. Good. Good. But how many more national holidays? What's next? I'm just curious. What's next? So here's Biden at the White House today. Now remember what I told you about Biden. Biden is a street politician. He's a thug. He's a chameleon. He's a nasty, ignorant man. He's clawed his way up the ladder. He has done things that are outrageous to people, including a black man by the name of Clarence Thomas, for which he gets a pass. He did things to Tara Reid, which are simply dismissed. Which is part of the definition of rape. Doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. He has said things about black people that nobody would even think of saying. And he has said it many times. No problem. No problem. He's a plagiarist. He's a liar. No problem. Why? Because, ladies and gentlemen, he is the vessel through which they're pushing their agenda. And they don't care. They don't care if he's brain dead. They don't care. He's the guy. And he's performing as they wish 
him to perform. And here's something else Biden does know instinctively. As long as he hangs hard left, as long as he does the bidding of the American Marxists, the teachers' unions, the open border immigration groups, the massive spending Bernie Sanders Marxists, as long as he does all these things and more, he's untouchable. The media won't touch him, and he won't be criticized. And he can glide his way through four years of a presidency, no matter how handicapped he is, mentally or otherwise. Won't matter. Here he is today at the White House. Cut seven, go. The promise of equality is not going to be fulfilled until we become real, becomes real in our schools and on our main streets and in our neighborhoods. Here's what I want to know. I want to know when we've met the promise of equality, according to Biden, the Democrat Party, and the American Marxists. Tell us when we're there. Tell us what it means. Define it. What does it mean? Because it doesn't mean what the Enlightenment meant. It doesn't mean what Americanism meant. What do we mean? Does it mean when LeBron James earns exactly the same salary as a janitor in an inner city school? Is that equality? What does it mean? Does it mean everybody lives in exactly the same kind of home? No bigger, no smaller? What does it mean? Does it mean everybody owns one of those East German type cars? Remember those 30, 40 years ago and nothing better, nothing worse? Is that what it means? What does it mean? Everybody eats exactly the same caloric intake as the next guy? What does it mean? Everybody has access to exactly the same health care, no matter how bad it is? What does it mean? Everybody has exactly the same pension, exactly the same uh, 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 salary? What does it mean? Does it mean we do away with seniority? Does it mean we do away with merit? What does it mean? What does equality mean? Tell us. They never tell us. Because it means everything and it means nothing to them. It's just another word. It's just another means to an end. That's it. Go ahead. Our health care system and ensuring that equity is at the heart of our fight against the pandemic. And the water that comes out of our faucets and the air that we breathe in our communities and our justice system. So we can fulfill the promise. So he goes down a line of things. Environment, our justice system, the virus. Oh, down, just go down the list. In other words, everything. And nothing. That's why you see in states like Virginia, they're eliminating AP courses. Until 11th grade or 12th grade, of course. We can't have Merit. Again, as you'll read in American Marxism, merit is one of the things that has to go. Merit has to go. Competition has to go. It's the iron fist. But we, and I, am going to start demanding answers. Like never before. I'll be right back. Hillsdale College serves four purposes. 
learning, character, faith, and freedom. Now, education and faith thrive in freedom, and freedom requires an educated people, a people of good character to preserve it. Hillsdale College has been providing the education needed to preserve free government for over 175 years, and it continues to provide that education today, not only to its 1,500 undergraduate and graduate students, but nationwide. Through its free online courses, its support of classical K-12 charter schools, and its other outreach efforts on behalf of liberty. Hillsdale's Articles of Association, dating back to 1844, commit the college to preserving the blessings of civil and religious liberty through the provision of sound learning. This learning includes the Constitution. It includes the laws of nature and nature's God, as described in the Declaration of Independence. It includes America's great heritage and liberty that too often today is falsely derided and denied. Hillsdale's motto is, Pursuing Truth and Defending Liberty Since 1844. And it'll continue to fight to live up to that motto, come what may. Learn more. Go to levinforhillsdale.com. That's L-E-V-I-N for Hillsdale.com. All right, folks. When we come back, I want to focus on the Attorney General of the United States, Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland has assembled in the United States Department of Justice what is the most radical, racist, anti-American, anti-Semitic leadership in the history of the Department of Justice. In the history of the Department of Justice. And as an old justice guy and an old White House guy under Reagan, I can tell you that All of these top appointments, these presidential appointments, had to be signed off by Joe Biden, had to be vetted, go through the Office of Presidential Personnel in the old Executive Office building, and were agreed to by this Merrick Garland. Merrick Garland, the great moderate, as I said the other day, thank God he's not on the Supreme Court. What a Manchurian candidate he would have been, and I mean that. So let's take a little closer look. I'll be right back. here. Now, broadcasting from the underground command post, deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. Mark Levin. Our number, 877 I'll be on Hannity tonight on Fox, 9.30 p.m. Eastern Time. I hope you'll be able to catch it. I hope you have uh, ordered your copies, your pre-ordered copies of American Marxism. First edition copies, deeply discounted over there at Amazon, almost 40% while they last. And I think it would be a great Father's Day gift. You won't have the book in hand, but you can say, you know what, Pops, put it on the card, or Grandpops, or Husband, or whatever. Uh, I've ordered you a copy of this. It'll show up on July 13th, and it will show up at your door that day. And by the way, sometimes it happens that it shows up a day earlier, but it doesn't really matter. So I hope you'll jump in now. Get your copy of American Marxism. We discuss all these issues I've been talking about but in a very fundamental way. You're starting to hear backbenchers on TV and radio, aren't you? I'm getting emails, 
I don't have time. I'm working too hard to listen to everybody. There's a lot of great people in radio and TV, so don't get me wrong. But you're starting to hear them, I, I understand, from people writing me. Talking about how we have to organize. Talking about Marxism. People who've never talked about critical race theory in their lives. Sort of experts on it now, going on and on and on. I'm of two minds on this. Number one, it's a good thing that already, even before this book is revealed, because I turned this book in three months ago, even before this book is revealed, that we are setting the stage, and I talked about this the other day, for something like a Reagan revolution or a Tea Party movement and so forth from the bottom up. In fact, I think I talked about it yesterday. And I think this is very, very important since I was involved in all of them. On the other hand, I want you to have a really good grasp of this stuff, a substantive grasp of this stuff. Not a segment or two or three here and there where it's the thing to talk about. And so that's the difference between helping contribute to the building of a movement and being an observer. I'm not an observer, you're not an observer. Or hands-on. I look at it this way. You look at the men and women who have fought for this country. Have put everything on the line. Have left their families. Have gone off to foreign wars. Think about them. We think about them all the time, don't we? What we're talking about here is none of that. We're not going off to foreign wars. You don't have to completely change your lives. But we're talking about engagement. Engagement. Many of you have done this before. Some of you haven't. It actually can be exhilarating. It can be exhilarating. And it doesn't take a lot of time. It doesn't take a lot of time. That's the entire point of American Marxism, the book. To take the language back, to take our principles back, to take our history back, to take our country back. Oh, not for white people, for red-blooded Americans, which includes white people. Conversely, much like liberty and tyranny, the liberty part, we need to learn the tyranny part. The Marxists. And I think fundamentally, as I work my way through the culture, through society, through public affairs in this book, whether it's the environment, whether it's immigration, whether it's race, whether it's our schools, whether it's professional sports, whether it's our corporations, whether it's academia, whether it's the media, all of them addressed significantly and substantively as we walk through it. We need to have a better understanding of it. And so we do and we will. And as I say, there's power in numbers. And I am blessed by you in this audience. And I know there's some people who just would rather ignore all this stuff, wish it would go away, can't believe it's going on. But we simply do not have the, the ability to do that anymore. We simply do not. And that's okay. We all have our roles. We all have our roles. 
And it begins with ideas. Whose ideas are better? Throughout even modern history, whose ideas are better? I notice that the American Marxist never talks about what has happened when Marxism has been instituted. We've talked about this. I've written about this in Liberty and Theory, in Ameritopia, in Rediscovering Americanism, in almost every book, actually, including this one. You'll have massive genocide and slaughter. You talk about racism. Marxism is filled with racism. The destruction of minorities and minority groups is essential. The elimination of free speech is essential. Do you think a Black Lives Matter or Antifa would survive in communist China or Russia? Or any communist or tyrannical regime, they'd blow them off. They'd wipe them out. They wouldn't even exist. Do you think big tech, unless it bowed to these entities like it must and it does, would have any say in any of these countries? Do you think we'd have a... A LeBron James or others, athletes, would be able to speak out against their government? Of course not. They disappear. Poof. That's Marxism. It's not Americanism. And so we need to lay the foundation. We need to lay the groundwork. We need to make an extra-powerful effort to inform ourselves, inform our family members, inform our co-workers and our neighbors. You must be the Paul Revere's, at a minimum. And many of you already are. My job is to give you the information. My job is to make it as simple as possible. My job is to be as informative as possible. So you can hold this book in your hands, if you wish, and say, well, let me read something to you, or let me show something to you. And you can check the footnote, or the endnote in this case. We don't need to convince everybody. We don't need to convince the American Marxists. They're the enemy. There's also a number of people who will never, ever engage. That's okay. I told you the other day, The American Revolution was fought with the support of one-third of the population. At a minimum, we need to inform ourselves, those of us who love this country. And I believe there's more than a third of the population who love this country. So we start out with a big number. We start out with a big number. You know what's interesting about the media? The American people hate the media. You know what's interesting about Hollywood? The American people hate Hollywood. You know what's interesting about movies? People aren't watching a lot of movies anymore. So the culture is dying of its own weight. Academy Awards, nobody wants to watch that anymore. Global Awards, nobody's watching this stuff. Nobody cares. The indoctrination is going on in the classroom. That's where most of it's taking place. And that's where we have the least amount of Influence. Oh, well, we can show up at school board meetings. I'm all in favor of that. Absolutely. And we'll get into that. But there needs to be more. That's just the minimal. And there can be more. And by God, there will be more. I believe it. 
so I want to encourage you. Look, this isn't the Bible. <laughs> it's not the Torah. It's not those sorts of things. This book is a book for the times. It's the most important book I've ever written. It's the most thorough book I've ever written. I'll probably need to do a volume two because this book could have been 800 pages long, but who wants to read a book that's 800 pages long, let alone write it? So we'll start with priorities. And we will push back. You know, Michelle Obama's book sold like 10 million copies. Why? Why? Because she has followers and supporters and the curious. Her book doesn't say anything profound. It's mostly self-promotional. I think we can do this. I really do. But it's going to take you. American Marxism. And I think the pre-order price is really reasonable as far as these things go. I understand if you can't, please, trust me. And that's another thing we can do. Read it and pass it on to somebody else. There are ways to do this. Pass it along to somebody else. Just like Thomas Paine's pamphlets. I don't compare myself to Thomas Paine. I'm talking about the circumstances. This is a second American revolution or a new American revolution that we need to fight the counter-revolution. I'm not talking about arms and bullets and all the rest. That's what the left does. No, no, no. I'm talking about using good old American institutions, know-how, and motivation. I'll be right back. Mark Levin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Here's how. The Democrat Party, the left, their officials, their mouthpieces, never have anything good to say about the American people or this country. You notice that? They're not the ones growing the food. They're not the ones transporting the food. They're not the ones manufacturing. They're not the ones who make this country work. In fact, 
Have you also noticed how the Democrat Party has made an affirmative decision to turn its back on all the people it used to claim to represent, from Franklin Roosevelt, actually earlier than that, from the turn of that two centuries ago to now? They used to reach out to, quote-unquote, the white working class, to, quote-unquote, the blue-collar white union member. But now they have decided, because they are very diabolical in the way they treat human beings, and the way they treat individuals, and the way they group people, and, and try and pull together constituent groups, and even create constituent groups, they've decided they want permanent power, And they noticed that since Ronald Reagan, some of these white, blue-collar union voters, white, blue-collar, non-union voters, wait a minute, they're starting to vote for Republicans. Reagan won them by a large margin. Donald Trump won them by a large margin. So the Democrat Party has now turned on these people, turned on many of you. You're now white supremacists. You're now deplorables. I'm telling you the truth. So they have genuflected. Now they want open borders where they used to oppose open borders because it undermined unions, including the United Farm Workers Union. Now they want open borders. Now they want as many people to come into this country as possible, preferably not white people, which is why you hear them talking the way they talk with their racist talk and their racist propaganda in our schools and so forth. Now, I'm not supposed to talk about this because they try and demean people like me and silence people like me. I'm not going anywhere. If I have to take a damn soapbox and put it in my backyard, I'm not going anywhere. The truth is the truth. So the Democrat Party has now decided that the quote-unquote white working-class voter is not their constituency anymore, and they're not going to work for it anymore. Instead, they're going to embrace racism. They're going to embrace racist language. They're going to embrace racist propaganda, indoctrination, and policies. And this is Joe Biden. I told you what he is. He's a, he's a street politician. He's a thug. It's what he's always been, a fraud, a chameleon. So he's gone from being the best friend of racist segregationist senators to calling everybody who disagrees with him a Jim Crow supporter. He has no credibility whatsoever, apart from his mind. He has no credibility, no character whatsoever. And so they have decided, the Democrat Party, our future and our power is in changing the demographics of the nation. We've seen that, they believe, and how they have changed Red states to purple, red states to blue. That's why they're not securing the border. I talked about this years and years ago, Mr. Tobin. Years and years ago. Even have a chapter on it in Liberty and Tyranny that this is part of what's going on. And there's no question about it because every now and then, Obama pops up and basically says so. And Biden used to, too. So this is where they are. And by constantly, constantly creating these awful, horrific divisions in our country, ripping at the very fabric of our country, 
undermining the founding and the history of our country. Having nothing good to say about what's taken place in this country, the greatest country on the face of the earth. The Democrat Party thinks this is its means to permanent power. And the Constitution means nothing to them unless they can use it for permanent power. It's just like the vote. If they lose the vote, it's illegitimate. It was illegitimate when Reagan won two landslides. It was illegitimate when Nixon won a landslide. It was illegitimate when George W. Bush won the presidency in the Electoral College. It's only legitimate when they win. And because every Republican victory is illegitimate, There's no mandate from the voters. Screw the voters. We have a permanent government here. We have judges. We have the administrative state. We have all kinds of things. We can rule by regulation. We can rule by fiat. We can rule by obstruction. So when they lose, they win. And when they win, they win. Donald Trump was never given an opportunity to run a presidency like any president before him. Never given the opportunity to do it. Never had a breather. Never. They sought to smother him as fast as they could. Ruin him, ruin him personally, ruin his family. Why? Because they're Marxist bastards. That's why. In the end, that's what they are. We can't get bipartisanship, they say. We would work with the Republicans, but they won't meet us halfway. All we want to do is pack the courts. All we want to do is get rid of the filibuster. All we want to do is is fix the election system so we can never lose. That's all. We want open borders so we can change the demographics and import as many Democrats as possible. That's all we want. They won't even meet us halfway. We want to empty our prisons. We want felons to vote. Oh, we got all kinds of great ideas. Meanwhile, look at them, all white supremacists out there. I'll be right back. Now, a couple of issues I want to hit here as well. This is big. This is going to affect almost all of you. Joe Biden says, I'm not going to raise taxes on the middle class. Anybody who earns over four under, excuse me, $400,000 a year, they won't be affected. It's a lie in many ways. First of all, his inflation is going to affect all of us in a very significant and damning way. But secondly, I'm not even talking about that. Biden budget includes tax increases, all kinds of tax increases. Now, we have businesses in this country that are on their back. They can't get people to work for them because they're competing with government welfare payments, and that's what they are. And they're having huge problems getting the material that they need. The price of goods are going through the roof. And now, massive, massive taxes being proposed by this administration. And they want you to believe, don't worry, it's only on the rich. It's only on the rich. No, it's not. But I want to talk to you about something I touched on before because it affects most of you. Most of you have or had a parent or two, correct? And maybe that parent, maybe you're one of the parents or the grandparents. You buy a home. 
maybe paid 20 years ago $300,000 for their home, whatever. Whatever you paid. But the price goes up. The assessed price goes up because the local authorities want to squeeze as much in property taxes out of your home as is humanly possible for their own profligate spending at the local level. And so at some point, your house is worth over a million dollars. Now, you're not a millionaire. It's not like that's cash that comes into your pocket every day, every month, every year. It is in your home. Or if you're a farmer, this happens all the time. Or a small business person, this happens all the time. And maybe you've drawn up a will and you say, you know what, I'm going to leave my home to my kids. When I die, that's what most people do, don't they? I'm going to leave it to Freddie, Muhammad, Sally, whatever. And so in the federal tax code, they have a way of evaluating these things. Take a look at this. So how do they tax this? How do they tax it? Well, if you don't meet a certain threshold, they don't tax it at all. But Joe Biden wants to hugely reduce that threshold. And Joe Biden wants any inheritance, as as an example, real property that's valued at over a million dollars at the time of your death, to use the value at the time of your death as the basis for the property. For which a capital gains would be paid. But he wants the capital gains to be the same as the regular income tax. So what is he doing here? He's massively increasing the tax rate. So there's no distinction between capital gains and personal income tax. And he's massively increasing the value of the property. So you'll be taxed on the higher value of the basis the property. What does all this mean? Oh, so convoluted. It means that most of you who are in the middle class, who are not millionaires, when you pass away and your property is passed on to your kids or whomever, they're going to have a massive tax bill. That's in the current budget that he is proposing. That is in the current budget that he's proposing. That is that your beneficiaries have to pay the difference between, let me put it to you this way. Let's say you paid $300,000 for a home. It's now worth $1.3 million. The way the Biden team would figure it out is they'd look at the $300,000 that was paid, it's now worth $1.3 million. If your kids sell it because they don't need it and so forth, they're going to pay a capital gain tax on that amount. The way it works now is if it's worth a million dollars and at some point the kids sell it for $1.3, it's the valuation at the time of your death, so they'll pay a capital gains tax on the $300,000, the difference between the one and the $1.3. Does that clear it up, Mr. Producer? You're saying yes, seriously, does it, or do I need to do it again? So they're going to massively expand what is taxed and massively increase the tax rate on you. On you, the middle class. 
because you're white supremacists, I guess, but on the middle class. That is in the proposed reconciliation bill. These people lie, and they lie endlessly. The media lie, and they lie endlessly. Joe Biden lies, and he lies endlessly. He doesn't know how to tell the truth. They lied about Obamacare, and now they have the backing of the United States Supreme Court. Isn't that swell? Lies become laws. Laws become lies. They put you in a class. Oh, we're not going to tax the middle class. They're going to whack the middle class. The biggest asset you have is your home. You want to pass it on to your kids. And so in this bill, when you die, depending on the circumstances, they're going to tax it at a much higher rate, and they're going to tax excuse me, and tax a much bigger part of it. In other words, your kids aren't going to get that much. The government's going to get most of it. Isn't this worthy of a news report? Shouldn't some news platform, news show, be going through exactly what it is that Joe Biden is proposing in his six damn trillion dollar budget that Schumer wants to ram through without a single Republican vote? Doesn't this require some analysis rather than Oh, these guys are winning on this team, and this guy is losing on this team. How about some substance from our news media? Now, how does that make you feel, Democrats? Well, as long as they get the rich, right, go down with the ship, is that it? They can't get enough money from the rich. They're already taxing the hell out of honest rich people, and I'm not talking about the Bezoses and the others. Honest rich people who aren't billionaires, but aren't in the middle class. Upper middle and lower upper. Look, I even sound like a Marxist, but you get the point. So they're going to tax your kid, as an example, and the difference between the $300,000 you paid for the property, the value at the time, 20 years ago, and the value at the time of your death. Not the value at the time of your death, and then the value at the time your kids sell it. So there's a big difference. And you know what Biden called this? He called it a trust fund baby loophole. And it kicks in over a million dollars, by the way. It doesn't take much for a house to be worth over a million dollars these days. It just doesn't. You could be earning an average salary. You bought a home. Home prices are going through the roof right now. You have no control over that. Most of us think that's a good thing. Look at this. It's my biggest investment. I pay an enormous amount every month. You know, my mortgage, it's good. It'll go up and I'll leave it to my kids. Well, your kids aren't going to be able to get anything out of it. Because in my scenario, 300000 you paid for the home 20 years ago. It's now worth $1.3 million at your death. Okay, pay up. Pay up what? Pay the tax. Between 300000 and $1.3 million. And by the way, the capital gains in, uh, tax rate is going to be the same as the income tax rate. So the government gets everything, pretty much. And Joe Biden's doing that for the little people, don't you know? You know what sickens me? The people who work hard and buy a home, 
They'll get a paycheck, want a little pension to live off of, and then want a nice little retirement, not demanding anything from anybody for anybody for anything. You, they, are like second-class citizens. Meanwhile, you come into the country, you've contributed zero to the country. Well, you've got to get citizenship. Well, you get free medical care. Well, you ought to have free tuition. Well, you ought to be able to vote. Well, you ought to be able to... Wait a minute. Wait a minute. What are you, white supremacist? That's their answer. The people on the dole. Oh, they need more unemployment. Oh, they need more food stamps. Oh, they need more welfare payments. Oh, there's environmental injustice and economic injustice and, and social... Wait a minute. Who the hell do you think's making this country work? The working people of all races and backgrounds. But it doesn't seem to matter, does it? I'll be right back. Mark Lovin. Over 2,000 of you, my listeners, made the switch from overpriced wireless carriers to Pure Talk over the past few months. We want the rest of you to join us and to see what we're talking about. If you're with AT&T and Verizon or T-Mobile, your family could save over $800 a year just by switching to Pure Talk. You get great coverage, you can keep your phone and your number, and you'll save a fortune. Pure Talk is the top-rated wireless company by Consumer Affairs with the absolute best consumer service team based right here in America. Does that sound good? Well, it gets better. Right now, get unlimited talk, text, and six gigs of data, just $30 a month. And if you go over on data, they don't charge you for it. They don't care. Go to puretalkusa.com. And enter promo code Levin Podcast. Again, puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin, L E V I N Podcast. And when you do, you'll save 50% off your first month. That's puretalkusa.com, promo code Levin Podcast. Pure Talk USA, simply smarter wireless. Remember what we talked about yesterday, Saul Linsky, and aspects of Alinsky that really don't get discussed much, which is, remember he said, kind of conceal yourself in the middle class, kind of pretend you support the middle class, that you, you have sympathy for the middle class in order to destroy the middle class. Now, the Marxists have always had sort of different ideas about how to approach their agenda, But Alinsky told community activists, including Barack Mailhouse Benito Obama and Hillary Rotten Clinton, both of whom were accolades of his, just pretend you you support the people. Pretend you're from the people. Pretend you're helping the people. And Obama's influence in the Biden administration is obvious, more than obvious. It is ubiquitous. And he has a lot of uh, impact on what's going on. And given his ideological roots, you can see it almost everywhere. And so it is. We're not going to tax the middle class, no. No, we want more in the middle class to have health care. And... No, no, we want to get the rich. It's a... You cannot have a revolution unless you attack the masses. The revolution is aimed at the masses. Propaganda aside, demagoguery aside, 
The point is to control the masses, to control the people. Just look at all the Marxist revolutions. They say these are people revolutions. These are liberation revolutions. And as soon as they take over, what do they do? They clamp down on the people. They target the people. They indoctrinate the people. They imprison the people. They torture the people. They control the people, the people, the people. They'll blow out the rich, unless, of course, they throw in with them. So that's what you're seeing here. No, 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 we're not going to tax you. No, 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 we're not going to take your health care from you. No, 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 we don't believe in open borders. No, 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 don't worry about inflation, whatever, it's just temporary. We want you to have clean air and clean water. No, no, come on now. We believe in equality. We've got to pull the rich down so you can rise up. That's all. That's all. We're for you. We're for you. Yeah, they're out for you. Ray XM Satellite, Billings, Montana, go. Yeah, hey, Mark, I just want to thank you so much for bringing up a, a valid point, and that is, is that the American Marxist movement fails to define what their top objective is, ultimately. Equality. Because if they actually define what it is, then you know what it really means. And nobody wants their kind of equality. Just look around the world, one gulag after another. Thank you for your call, my friend. Much appreciated. I'll be right back. Ladies and gentlemen, this final hour of the podcast is sponsored exclusively by AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we care about, faith, family, and freedom. Thank you for listening, and please support AMAC. And you can become a member at amac.us slash join. He's here. He's here. Now broadcasting from the underground command post... Deep in the bowels of a hidden bunker, somewhere under the brick and steel of a nondescript building, we've once again made contact with our leader, Mark Levin. Hello, America. I'm Mark Levin. Our number is 877-381-3811. 877-381-3811. I want to give notice to some of our friends in the web world, Right Scoop, our friends at The Blaze. My brothers and sisters, the Bongino Report, all these wonderful sites that we use. I spent the first hour of this program discussing at length Jim Banks' cross-examination, or examination, I should say, the Chief of Naval Operations, Admiral Michael Gilday. Right after this program, it will be on the MarkLevinShow.com site under Daily Recap. And I would encourage you all, to link to it because the American people need to hear they need to hear what the man in charge of the United States Navy had to say and since we spend a significant amount of time on it here that is the Chief of Naval Operations Admiral Michael Gilday I think a link to that might be useful I don't need hits we have millions and millions of viewers listeners uh, hits and whatever but it's something that ought to get out there. So I would encourage our friends in the, in the Internet world to take a look at that, take a listen if you haven't already. 
and promote it. Not because you're promoting me, but because you're making the American people aware of what just happened at the United States Navy. And it's enormously troubling. As I say, we spent time, what, Mr. Producer, from about 6.20 till almost 7 o'clock Eastern Time? So I think it's well worth it. Our buddy Ted Cruz today at a press conference. The media want to know about the voting rights bill. Do you? The poll, the poll, people support changes and support for voting rights and so forth. Here's our man Ted Cruz, cut 10, hat tip C-SPAN, go. You talked about how this was a show of force. One of the reasons is the press coverage so far of this bill has been virtually non-existent. You're right, if you do polling on... Do you support protecting the right to vote? I, I'm amazed that's not 100%. Protecting the right to vote is a wonderful thing. You know, if you also do polling on, do you support the fuzzy kittens and puppy law, that has really good support in the polls, too. If you actually ask people about what is in this bill, it is incredibly unpopular. Democrats don't want to talk about getting rid of voter ID because 70 to 80% of Americans support it. A majority of Democrats support it. A majority of African Americans support it. They don't want to talk about that. Democrats don't want to talk about getting rid of the ballot harvesting laws because people recognize that invites corruption. When you have ballot harvesting, you get a paid operative from the DNC who goes in to, say, a nursing home and collects dozens or hundreds of ballots, some of whom, some of which are from people who may not be competent to vote. And the reason it invites frauds is they're sitting right there, and if that person votes the wrong way, there's nothing to stop an unscrupulous operative from just throwing that ballot in the trash can and only mailing in the votes that vote the way they want. That's why Jimmy Carter said ballot harvesting invites voter fraud. And Jimmy Carter also said, along with James Baker, I believe, 15 or so years ago, that these mail drop voting activities and mail-in voting activities were highly susceptible to fraud. Of course, the media know all this. The media know all this and don't give a damn. That's why, you know, when it came to coronavirus deaths and so forth, we had daily charts and graphs. We don't have that anymore because Biden's president. The numbers have gone down, of course. But I don't have any idea what the numbers are today. Do you, Mr. Producer? I don't know how many people got it today. I don't know how many people died today. Because Biden's president doesn't matter anymore. Nothing matters that used to matter. So where are the graphs? From the news media, they have graphics departments. I know this for a fact. Where are the graphs from the media laying out what it is that Pelosi, Schumer, and Mr. Jim Crow himself, Biden, want to impose on the entire nation? I can do some of this by memory, but wouldn't it be nice if they actually informed the American people? Here's part of what they want. That 16- and 17-year-olds can register to vote which means 16- and 17-year-olds will actually vote because ballots cannot be challenged for any effective reason. The legitimacy of the voter cannot be challenged for any effective reason. Now, why is that? Because the bill also says that these are voting rights for individuals. doesn't say citizens, says individuals. So that's two major areas where the Democrats say, hey, look, You must support Jim Crow. You must support voter suppression. 
because this is a way to camouflage their fraudulent efforts. What else can't you do? You can't stop somebody from registering to vote right there and then. You can't ask them for identification. You can't ask them if they live in the precinct. Because if you don't live in the precinct, you can still vote in that precinct under this law. No signature requirements. Voter ID is gone under this bill. No voter ID requirements. And if you challenge that vote, or you challenge that voter right there and then, you can be prosecuted criminally. Criminally. And it goes on and on. Does that sound like a, a bill for encouraging voting with integrity? Of course not. But the Democrats are prepared to fall on their sword for this because they know that they can win the 16, 17-year-old vote. That they can win the illegal alien vote. Why do you think they're doing what they're doing? It's really quite shocking, is it not? Yes, it is. Oh, and listen to this. If you're to challenge any aspect of this law or anything under this law, it must be brought in the District of Columbia. Wait a minute. We live in Wyoming. I don't care. So it's to make it as inconvenient as possible for the rest of the country, number one. Number two, all cases are to be joined where possible. So you can't really make your independent argument. You have to be part of a class, which muddies the waters further, because they don't want any due process. Number three, any judge who makes a ruling, may him or herself be subject to being compelled to provide testimony to a commission they send up. Of course, it's an independent commission, meaning a radical left-wing commission. And that judge's decision and the judge can be questioned. Have you ever heard of such a thing? I don't know if this is the French Revolution. Mao's Revolution. Lenin's Revolution. But it ain't America. That much I know. Once again, we're not going to touch the middle class here. We're not going to touch it. Here again. We're promoting voting. What are you, Jim Crow, white supremacist? Don't you want people to vote? No, not if they're not supposed to. The media know all of this. They lie, they connive, they're corrupt. They want one party rule. They want the agenda. They do not want a Republican party. Well, they actually don't mind it. If it sits there in the Senate floor like a spittoon, other than that, they don't want it. They want California. They want New York. They want Illinois. They want the whole country to turn into the worst of the worst run states, the highest tax states, where people can't run fast enough to get the hell out of there. That's what they want. They want to spread and impose misery, centralize it. Compel it. So there's nowhere to go. I'm going to move to Florida. It won't matter. I'll be right back. Mark Levin.
AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. All right, we want to welcome Stephen Smith to the program. Stephen Smith. Stephen Miller. Sorry, uh, Steve Miller. Um, no worries. The great Steve Miller, who is uh, known far and wide. How are you, my friend? I'm doing very well. Thank you for having me. My pleasure. I want to get into some of the most recent steps that Merrick Garland, the Attorney General of the United States, has taken to further open our borders, to further convey citizenship on individuals who really shouldn't be here. And he is taking these acts uh, without almost no attention. Can you tell us what he's been doing lately? Yes, well, you've really hit the nail on the head. I'm grateful to you for covering this. And it's a testament to your program that you are, in fact, covering it, because, as you mentioned, few others are giving it the attention it needs and deserves. So by way of explanation, the... U.S. immigration courts that we all hear so much about, right? Immigration courts, people failing to appear in immigration courts, people winning and losing in immigration courts, those are administered by the Department of Justice. They're not Article Three courts administered in the federal judiciary. And so the, the Attorney General wields enormous influence over those courts and the decisions that they reach. And if you're granted asylum as an illegal alien, you don't just get a reprieve from deportation. You're made a permanent resident of the country on a fast track to citizenship. So it's not just a method for getting illegal aliens into the country, but allowing them to become citizens of the country, having broken our laws and violated our borders. So with that as background, here's what the Attorney General did. He overruled two Trump-era precedents that correctly defined asylum as being for legitimate victims of political and governmental persecution. And Merrick Garland instead decreed that people who assert that they are victims of crime or domestic violence are eligible for asylum in the United States. Now, what that means in practice is that probably a third of planet Earth is now eligible for asylum in the United States. Because tragically, in this Nothing that makes you happy, Mark. Nothing that makes me happy, Mark. It's a sad state of affairs. But countries all over the world have failed states. They have gangs running rampant. They have cartels running rampant. They have many people who are victims of crime and who can't live in safety. And we can have a long conversation about what the right solution to that ought to be, probably leading by example and showing how the rule of law works would be a good start. Yeah. But as a result of this, 
what it means is that someone can actually come to our borders and say, well, I am afraid because there's a lot of crime in my neighborhood and my government isn't doing enough to deal with all the crime in my neighborhood and my mayor isn't doing enough, and so I need asylum here in the United States. As a result of this, number one, and perhaps most importantly, they're going to get through the border. They're going to get approved on what's called an initial credible fear claim. Number two, they stand a good chance of being granted asylum and being made a U.S. citizen. And so a lot of these are unfalsifiable claims, too, Mark. In other words, mm-hmm. how is the U.S. government going to demonstrate in an immigration court that you aren't a victim of domestic abuse, which, of course, is a grave tragedy, or that you're not a victim of gang violence or other kinds of violence in your home country. It's a completely, again, unfalsifiable proposition. So with these two edicts, Garland has, number one, revealed himself to be an extremist, Hmm. and number two, he has further taken us into unprecedented territory in the realm of open borders. So hopefully that summarizes things well for your audience. No, no, that's very important. That's very well done. And... um... When you think about that, and then you think about the speech he gave the other day, in which he said ethnic and racial uh, hatred and violence are the greatest threats we face, domestic terrorism, and then he highlights white supremacy. And I'm thinking to myself, isn't it interesting? By white supremacy, do they mean over 60% of the American people, almost 200 million of the public? Because that's what they mean in most instances, when they're talking about it now, or do they mean the Klan and neo-Nazis? And good, go after the Klan and neo-Nazis. I'd love to know who they are, what's the name of the groups, who are you prosecuting, who are you charging, you know, give us some some information that we can actually put our hands on. But then I realized, Stephen Miller, we have all kinds of things going on in this country that he didn't mention. For instance, Black Lives Matter and Antifa, two Marxist organizations. In the case of Black Lives Matter... Also anti-Semitic, both of them anti-American, trying to overthrow the country. And uh, he doesn't m- mention them as grave domestic terrorist threats. And yet, look at what they did to our country during the course of the summer. And he didn't mention what his FBI told him, which is 60% of hate religious crimes in this country are done against Jews, mostly Orthodox Jews. And it's not done by neo-Nazis. They're bad enough, don't get me wrong. But it's done mostly by relatively recent immigrants from the Middle East as well as African Americans in Brooklyn. Now, why is it that he doesn't mention these things, Stephen Miller? Because for the left, control over the narrative is everything. Because if, if your narrative is that the biggest problem facing the American people are radicalized white citizens, then that, of course, empowers you to do all kinds of things that you want to do throughout the government including things that you know, my organization, America First Legal, is involved in litigation on, like critical, like critical race theory and government discrimination and awarding some people benefits and taking benefits from others based on skin color. It's the, it's the narrative that is the moral predicate for their whole agenda. I'd also make the point that I think is really important when we're talking about domestic terror. I would say that what is happening on the streets of Chicago by any definition, is domestic terrorism. Gangs running rampant, running wild, murdering people in broad daylight, drive-by shootings, killing women, killing children, happening on our streets, that's domestic terrorism. And under his Department of Justice, while those people will not get any help, all over the world in foreign countries, people can come here by the millions and claim asylum. So the government 
is failing in its most fundamental duty, which is to take care of and protect our own citizens. Now, that's a very important point you just said. Let me just underscore it. In other words, people are being led into this country by Merrick Garland and his ilk because they claim their countries are dangerous and they're crime-ridden. And your point is, uh, have you looked at Chicago lately? Uh, And you're quite right. And what kind of attention is Chicago getting for the United States Department of Justice? Do you know? Almost none. Almost none. And look at the mayor there. The mayor all of a sudden wants federal support. Now, when you were working at the White House, would she accept federal support, Stephen? No. In fact, we tried in virtually every Democrat-run city through the Department of Justice. I, I, I worked on this initiative rather closely to offer federal support, both in terms of, if necessary, National Guard, but also just federal reinforcements in general. And Chicago fought us every single step of the way, as did many other liberal-run, left-wing-run cities, even if it meant more of their own citizens suffering irreparable harm. And Nancy Pelosi and James Clyburn called federal law enforcement in Portland that was trying to protect the third branch of government, a federal courthouse there, stormtroopers on more than one occasion, didn't they? Yes. In fact, I mean, to my mind, still what happened in Portland is unfathomable, in which not one night, not two nights, but I think it was something like 60 nights. I'd have to check. But Almost 100 nights. Thank you. The, a, a federal courthouse was attacked, and federal law enforcement officers were attacked. And not only did the city refuse to help, not only did the governor refuse to help. In fact, they were given stand-down orders at the city level. But the yeah. response, as you mentioned, of... We're going to have to run. Give out your site real quick. Law enforcement. What's your site? AFlegal.org. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest-growing organizations in America, now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead, A-M-A-C dot U-S. ask you a question. This is uh, actually a very important and interesting question. The Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, my home state, the legislature is Republican. Now the legislature wants to pass voting reform because of the way the Democrat Party destroyed the voting system in the state of Pennsylvania both its hacks on the state Supreme Court, its hack governor, its hack attorney general, its hack secretary of state, and the rest of them. Now, under our federal constitution, 
as you know, as we've talked about endlessly, the state legislature, not the state, not all branches of the state, the state legislature is specifically granted the power to determine the means by which elections will be held to select electors. It excludes the courts, it excludes the executive branch. Now in Pennsylvania in particular, of which I am familiar, as is my wife who litigated up there, the opposite happened. You had a court on multiple occasions, majority Democrat elected. Their highest court was rewriting the state election laws. You had the executive branch rewriting the state election laws through guidance and directives to the counties. Now, they have no constitutional authority to do any of that. So the state legislature is trying to claw some of its power back and not deny people the right to vote, to deny people who aren't supposed to vote the right to vote. I would think that's an important way to protect the franchise for all people, including minorities. Now, the governor of the state is a radical kook. He's very unpopular. He's finishing his second term, and he will be out. But he has no intention of supporting any of these efforts by the state legislature. So my thinking is this. If the state Supreme Court of Pennsylvania conducted itself more than once, more than once, without federal constitutional authority, even putting aside the state constitution, and members of the executive branch of this radical, dim-witted governor conducted himself without federal constitutional authority, and the only body in the state that has authority to act is the state legislature, then why the hell shouldn't the majority Republicans of the state legislature say, you know what? We declare this is the law. And we have more federal constitutional ground to stand on than does that court, than does that governor, than does that attorney general, than does that secretary of state. We have a much stronger case to make that our position is constitutional, that we don't need the approval of the other branches since the other branches are at war with the federal constitution and the Republican state legislature. And that's the position of the state legislature. No matter what the Supreme Court does, no matter what the governor does, no matter what the attorney general does, no matter what the secretary of state does, and if they want to go to the U.S. Supreme Court, that's on them. And honestly, the U.S. Supreme Court has no say either, but of course, we know John Hollywood John Roberts. Then he'll want to get involved. All the other times, no. Then he'll want to get involved. This is a particularly big problem in the Commonwealth slash state of Pennsylvania because the two best cases were based on federal and state constitutional grounds, legitimate constitutional arguments that the court refused to take up. It's not about ballots. It's not about ballot machine counting. It's not about fraud. It is pure and simple black and white constitutional law. And at least two, perhaps three justices wanted to take up at least one of the cases, and I believe both of the cases. Nothing harebrained about this. And that's why they never want to talk about it. 
Nobody ever wants to talk about these two cases. So just because five out of seven or seven out of seven state Supreme Court elected justices say, no, this is the law. Or the governor says, no, this is the law. The state legislature should say, no, this is the law. And we base it in our authority granted to us specifically under the federal constitution. If we have branches of government in Pennsylvania that are going to issue effectively fiats without any constitutional basis, federal constitutional basis, then why is the Republican legislature in Pennsylvania so passive? So afraid. Philadelphia is in Pennsylvania last time I checked. The birth of the Declaration of Independence, the birth of the United States Constitution, right there in Philadelphia. And right there in Philadelphia is where it's being corrupted. Why don't they stand up for themselves? Why don't they say if the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania can say they have the final word without any federal constitutional basis? If the governor says he is the final word on giving guidance and so forth without any federal constitutional basis, then we will say we do not need the support of either body because we will say what the law is, we the legislature, because in this case... It's not subject to state judicial review. Folks, look at the federal constitution. Where's judicial review? There isn't. It is an implied power. It is a logical power. It is an implied power. But certainly there's no implied power when it comes to the state Supreme Court usurping the power of the state legislature. How can that be an implied power? It's illegitimate. Now I know I'm an originalist. I know I'm one of the last few standing. I know I'm one of the last few who is prepared to make this argument. And yet it is the most consistent argument. It is the only argument that has true fidelity to the federal constitution of what the framers intended. Not any of the rest of it. Now, this isn't about overthrowing an election. Now we're talking about going forward. The next election. So while they're pushing HR1 and S1 to completely destroy our electoral process and undermine everything the framers of the Constitution had in mind because they're white supremacists. Right? We need to press ahead, too. And there's Merrick Garland, who has no merit whatsoever. A fraud and a phony and a fink. He wants to double the number of lawyers in the Civil Rights Division. It's the Uncivil Rights Division, which is headed by a bigot. An anti-white, anti-Semitic bigot. That's right, I said it. Sue me. I'll defend myself, and I will counter-sue. The evidence is thick and long. There's plenty of it. Right out of her big mouth. It's amazing who Joe Biden has picked for these positions, isn't it? 
uh, 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 unity. Uh, uh, anyway, wants to double the number of lawyers. So what? So he can bring suits in front of favorite Obama left-wing judges, in front of Democrat state judges, use that clown, Mark Elias, or whatever his name is, at a Perkins Coy, use that hack, go around and harass the state legislatures, accuse them of working for George Wallace and Orville Faubus and all the rest. Got to fight back. This is the nature of tyranny. Got to push back. We have no choice. And besides, why shouldn't we? I'll be right back. AMAC, the Association of Mature American Citizens, is one of the fastest growing organizations in America. Now over 2 million conservative members strong, and I'm one of them. AMAC believes in and stands up for the values that we constitutional conservatives care about. More than talk, AMAC fights. A full-time presence in Washington, AMAC pushes back against reckless spending, disasters like Medicare for All, and the expanding reach of the federal government. And beyond advocacy, joining AMAC gives you access to a wealth of benefits and discounts, including special member-only rates on car insurance, travel discounts, cell phone plans, and a hell of a lot more. And if that's not enough, you'll get AMAC's bi-monthly magazine full of insightful articles on issues that matter to most of us, we conservatives. As I said, I'm an AMAC member, and you should be too. Join today at amac.us. That's A-M-A-C dot U-S. Stop supporting the liberal agenda that the other 50-plus organization has been pushing for. Join AMAC instead. A-M-A-C dot U-S. Let us go to Zach, Mount Vernon, Missouri, the show me state. Zach, do not show me, please. The great KSGF. How are you, sir? (laughs) I'm good, Mark. Hey, it's great to be on your show. Thank you. (laughs) Mark, I just wanted to tell you one thing. Really, really enjoy your show. I've been listening to your show since I was a young guy. Thank you. Me and my dad uh, really, yeah, I really liked your show, sir, and appreciate what you're doing for America. Don't want you to stop. Please keep going. Um, as long as I have a breath, I'm not stopping. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We used to listen to Glenn Beck a lot, and Glenn he's Beck a good man. Faded out because he, yeah, because he, he said he didn't want to preach to the choir anymore. I loved his show, and I was like, All right. oh, man, Glenn's a good guy. I, love, I listen to him. I love his show. Great. But anyway, Mark, I just wanted to point out a couple things. I live in a small area, small town, mm-hmm. and it's amazing how I sit. You know, you go to an old breakfast Saturday morning and you listen to the old guys talk. And it's amazing how some of these older guys, a lot of them are Democrats, and they you listen to them and they sound more and more like a lot of the views that I have. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. And so I'm thinking to myself, you know, how where's the change? What happened? You know, what's 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 happened to our country? And, and listening to my dad talk you know, over the years, some of the things that have just how our country's changed, you know. It, it really amazes me. Uh, their views are more like my views, you know, especially like on the border, the border crisis that we have. Mm-hmm. You know, we were sitting, I was sitting at the table listening to one of these guys talk, and one of the waitress, waitresses chimed in, and she said, well, everybody has the right to be free and come into our country. 
And they said, well, you have to come into this country. There's a right way to come into this country. You know, a lot of these guys were veterans and mm-hmm. hearing them talk. So it makes me wonder, where does, where's the change came, you know? Well, the and, changes come because what I said earlier, the Democrats have now abandoned their base. They're creating a new group of constituencies. They figure that will give them power, permanent power. And if we don't stop them, I think they're right. Zach, thank you, my friend. Judy, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the great WJAS. Quickly, my friend, go right ahead. Oh, I was all I was all fired up before about um, the legislature here in in Pennsylvania, long, long time ago before the elections. Do you remember talking to one of the the reps? Yep. Uh, representatives from our house in Pennsylvania, and you yes. gave her the details on every, what to do, how to handle it, and she just ignored it. And I, I have no confidence that, that this state is going to get anything accomplished with um, fixing the voting situation. They have no... They have no... They, if they don't break out of their rhino uh, dreams, uh, they're going to lose that state, and they won't be in the uh, state legislature for long, because... What they don't understand is that that party is gunning for every state house seat, every uh, state senate seat, and they're going to get them. They're going to get them. The Republicans are in the majority. Now is the time to act, and we're not asking them to act in a way that fixes the system so only they win, like the Democrats. We're asking them to embrace the Constitution. Yes, I did before the election, and yes, they did ignore me because the Republican leadership in the state legislature, particularly on the Senate side, is pathetic. And when I lived in Pennsylvania and I backed Reagan in two primaries, they said, Reagan can't win here, Reagan can't win here, won two massive landslides. Because the, uh, the state animal in, the, in, the, uh, in, in the Pennsylvania is the rhino. Thank you, Judy. Now quickly, quickly we go to, let's see, Christy, Silver Spring, Maryland. You got 30 seconds. Shoot. Mark, thank you so much. I, I'm a big fan of yours. Met you a couple times at Tyson's book book signing. But I wanted to thank you so much for highlighting what happened today with the CNO's book. My husband and I both served in the Navy, and my son has just uh, commissioned. Well, I've got to go. You are a tremendously patriotic and heroic family, and I want to thank you. It's the least I can do, and we're going to keep an eye on this great admiral. See you on Hannity in 30 minutes, and see you tomorrow. God bless.